You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, my friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And, you know, the there's you know that old adage of that, you know, all news is good news or, no, you know, no news is bad news or, you know, there's no such thing as bad press. Uh, and I would argue that is not the case uh, in this space. But I would also argue most people are looking at the press that is, uh, you know, let's just say uh, positive or at least uh, driving conversation with the wrong mindset and approach. And I think it's unfortunate that we fall into this like trap. And this really goes into, you know, do your own damn research, but also do your own damn research with who you're listening to. And even what is their experience when it comes to understanding a lot of these nuances uh, within the space. But I'm going to get into that breakdown. We're going to talk a little bit of, you know, Snoop Dogg, Eminem. We'll talk Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, Mark Zuckerberg. And we might even talk a little bit of, you know, Instagram and maybe even a, a hexagon. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, before we get into that, uh, shout out to our sponsor, Crypto Business Conference. If you're looking to level up or maybe even just get to know others in this Web3 space, definitely check out the Crypto Business Conference. I will talk about that more at the end of the podcast. And our shout out today for our Mint 365 is actually, I mean, we have to give some love to number 293. As most of you know, 93 is my hockey number. It's a number that we've done uh, rewards and giveaways for. If you're in our Discord and you hold 93 coins, uh, you get some additional utility uh, in our uh, in our you know Discord and, and some things that we're able to roll out. I also happen to you know, we're happy to do a couple other things in the uh, around uh, number ninety three for our our community, and maybe this is a little alpha for those that are like really paying attention to what we have coming down the pipe. But uh, just so you know that we we will be uh, you know with our collection ninety three will be an integrated part of our uh, upcoming NFT project. But uh, two ninety three was actually yesterday's mint, and yesterday as in uh, August thirtieth, and we minted the project called the Phoenix. Phoenix, uh, the Phoenixes, which is by the the Habitat uh, Nest uh, project, and the Habitat Nest. For those who aren't familiar, um, it is actually a Web two company that has been uh, helping. Uh, for I think five years, they've been in business. They've been helping uh, people create habits. There's an app. There's a journal, uh, and it's about mental health and about uh, self awareness and setting yourself up for success. Uh, and I was really excited about this project. Uh, and funny enough, you know, I've actually shared the stage uh, on some mental health conversations with uh, some of the members of the team. Uh, and I actually for, had forgotten that they were, you know, fully involved in the project. But it uh, it minted yesterday, and they actually did something really innovative. And definitely give a shout out to uh, Cross Mint. Cross Mint is a uh, a minting mechanic that uh, we've been seeing, you know, many different projects. Um, use and integrate uh, some of you know our our good friends here uh, of the podcast have been using them. Uh, you know maybe we'll just have to get them on the on the podcast uh, very soon. 
but they used them and they had some really neat mechanics, right? They were, they were offering a whitelist and for your ability to mint on Ethereum, on Solana, as well as with your credit card. Uh, and it's mainly because, you know, they, they knew that they uh, not only had you know, a strong Web2 community that would probably buy their first NFT with a credit card, but they also had a lot of collaborations. And when I say a lot of collaborations, I mean, I jumped into their Twitter space yesterday and there was over a thousand people in the Twitter space and it was some of the biggest name people and projects that, that are in this space that are collaborating um, with this team. And I think a lot of it has to do with the team, has how the team has integrated themselves um, into Web3 and they've been fully active in communities and in discords, uh, in Twitter spaces. And, and they really built a great team uh, of people as well, kind of backing up the, the project itself. And we'll probably get uh, the founder on uh, the podcast here uh, in the near future. I know we've had conversations. I think I might jump on their podcast. They might jump on our podcast. So we'll see that going on. But, you know, it's called the Phoenixes. And, you know, I just wanted to put out there, you know, some of the mechanics, you know, didn't go as smooth when they launched. Um, the, it actually started to sell out on uh, Ethereum before Solana could actually be rolled out. So they had to pause the mint. But I get, I jumped up on stage and I, I gave them a shout out. I thought it was important that we just kind of look at you know, innovation in this space. Like the only way that we are going to push what is possible, the only way we are going to drive, uh, you know, let's just say new use cases, new ways of doing things if, is if we have people, projects, and, you know, even technology like CrossMint that are allowing us to push the limit. And the truth is when we're pushing the limit, not only, you know, do these projects become the guinea pigs, but they also are the ones that have to figure out how to handle a lot of things uh, transparently and openly. And funny enough, for me, this is actually like the coolest part of, of trying to figure out if a project is worthwhile because how they handle adversity during a mint, to me, tells a lot about what that project's going to be about because guess what? They're going to have a more, uh, you know, adversity over the next many months or many weeks, uh, you know, that they're uh, over the project. So with that being said, I thought they handled it beautifully. They were very transparent. They were open. They were rolling with the punches as different things happened. Uh, they actually paused the mint um, so that the Solana and and credit card communities that had signed up for their, their whitelist um, had enough time, you know, to jump in there because they were, you know, selling out pretty quickly. Um, they even adjusted their mint price prior to launch uh, to lower it just based on the economy and liquidity in the market, which I thought was another um, super smooth move. And, you know, I just want to give them, you know, their flowers and a shout out. I'm not paid to promote them. Um, we, we, we did it. We were able to give out some whitelist spots uh, to the Meta Athletes Project, which I am involved in uh, with Drew and, uh, and that team. And so I'm just being transparent on that side, but I bought the, the NFT for our collection myself with my own, uh, you know, Ethereum and bought a couple for my own bag um, as well. Uh, and they also had some different factions that you could buy. And I'll probably drill into that another time. But uh, let's support, let's like as a community, let's support those that are willing to innovate and try something new, even if there is more hiccups, because here's the thing. There's a lot of hiccups during the mint process for projects that aren't trying anything new. They just aren't familiar with the way things are working. And so we just have to be comfortable, you know, with the idea that, you know, the projects that are, are going to help us evolve as a, as an NFT culture are ones that are going to have to break shit and try new shit and disrupt shit. And I'm, uh, I'm here for it. I'm a huge supporter of what they, you know, they're all about. And I think it's something that we as a community just have to embrace and celebrate. 
Now, with that being said, let's jump into this idea of, I I think probably most people are aware, um, you know, it's funny, I don't think most people are aware the MTV Music Awards were going on, but most people were definitely aware that Snoop Dogg and Eminem um, had a Metaverse Board Ape Yacht Club uh, component in their uh, presentation or in their, uh, you know, in their act uh, at the MTV uh, Music Awards. And, and I'll just tell you, you know, I was watching the Music Awards. Uh, my daughter wasn't really aware that they were going on. My oldest is 12. Um, but I was watching them, of course, because I knew about this. So, I mean, first off, check marks to, to MTV because I probably would have, I probably would have watched like the replay and the highlights, but I don't think I would have watched the entire show. Uh, and I got to see Taylor Swift come out and, and announce that she has a new album, which I'm a proud Swifty and excited to see that. Um, also, there's a bunch of album uh, musicians that I've never heard of, which just made me feel old, like Blackpink. Um, and then my daughter, of course, was happy that Dove Cameron got, got a, got an award, but the, the Snoop Dogg, um, you know, Eminem piece that I thought was so interesting was, you know, the, the MTV music award information came out and I, and I believe they were, you know, they increased viewership by about, I believe like 5%, but their social sentiment was massively up. Um, and you know, they had about 3.9 million, I think, uh, concurrent viewers or the viewership was at that rate. But most people were you know, in two camps, right? There were people that were fudding it. They were calling it like a mockery and they, they thought it was a, a, a bad example of what the metaverse was. And then there was others that were like, who cares? It's on MTV Music Awards. Like nobody is coming from the MTV Music Awards and jumping in this community. And, you know, we had a couple people on uh, Alpha Mondays um, this past week and they were like making a, you know, kind of a mockery of the fact that it was on MTV and it's not really a big deal. And and I'm here to say like they are they're wrong. They're completely wrong because it's actually not has to do with MTV. It doesn't even have to do with the actual viewership on MTV that we're watching that live. It actually comes into a much higher macro conversation that the fact that even if Snoop Dogg and Eminem were paid or there was an arrangement when they bought their board apes to say, Hey, you need to integrate this in their show, whatever that relationship may be, it might've happened. It might not have happened. I don't even really care because the, the point of it is when you think about institutional money, when you think about the awareness of the public, a lot of times what things need to be presented in is that there are people that are jumping on this and that you, you have to just start being aware of it. And so for me, it was less to do about the MTV Music Awards and more to do with the fact that people were just talking about like the idea of a metaverse, right? Like a live concert in the metaverse. Yes, they could have done things a lot better than they did. You know, I think the other, you know, they, they showed the other deeds and they showed Coda. Um, but I would have, I would have loved for them to open up the metaverse for people to actually watch the recording of it, you know, in the actual metaverse that, that Yuga Labs has, but they'll probably do that in an upcoming one. Um, the other thing I thought that was interesting was that, you know, they just had Eminem and Snoop sitting on the, on the couch um, during the production. And then of course the, they played the, the, the video and, you know, it was ended up being a kind of like a music video for those that were in there uh, in the audience. But I think there was actually something bigger in the sense of like, when we talk about NFTs and we talk about metaverse, you know, the people that, that are, you know, that we want to bring in new liquidity, right? We want people to, you know, innovate and be new projects and new founders in this space you know, when they hear things like, wow, okay, that we need to take notice. If Eminem and Snoop Dogg are willing to align their brand with this company called Board Ape Yacht Club, right, which was born on the blockchain, technically born in Clubhouse in crypto, right? Like, let's be very clear about that. And the fact that they are included 
on the main stage and pretty much the highlight and the most buzzworthy thing. And you might be saying like buzzworthy, Brian, um, I pulled up some Google analytics. There was 81,600 articles, blogs, or news posts about the fact that there was a, the Snoop Dogg and Eminem were doing a metaverse play on the MTV Music Awards. I mean, that, I mean, that's just, I mean, to me, that is a massive amount of, of people covering it, right? There, and even those that are covering it from the sense of like, is this what the future is? I don't understand it. What I think is really exciting is that when you think about, you know, artists, like musicians, right? How do you get musicians' attention? Musicians might not be in the same boat as Snoop Dogg and Eminem. But if they recognize that, like, oh, wait, their production companies, their, you know, their entities were willing to embrace this Bored Ape Yacht Club. And I actually thought it, the, you know, yes, some of the graphics could have been uh, a level higher, but like I loved it. They were in, they were Bored Apes, right? They were their, both of their Bored Apes, you know, in a, a kind of physical form. Um, you know, I tweeted out this, uh, a couple of pictures that I took uh, watching it. Uh, and, you know, I also saw that the, the team shouted out the agency and the teams involved with this, the project. Um, and I'm just here to say like, you know, like it's so funny, all these people are critics of how that all went down. But I would love to know how many of them created something that was for a national audience that um, was including two of the biggest name musicians in the world um, uh, and were doing it in whatever time frame they had. Right. It's so easy for us um, to cast shade and be like, I can't believe they didn't spend more money on it. I can't believe they didn't do that. But we don't know what was going on. And so I think one of the things that we have to be very careful of in this space is that it's easy for us to like. Hey, it wasn't as good as we wanted or, Hey, you know, for us that are eating and sleeping and breathing this, um, it's like, man, that that's not what we want the metaverse to be represented in. But here's the truth. I don't think any of the metaverse plays right now are what we want it to be in the future, right? The metaverse is very, um, nuanced and very, you know, small and it's, uh, and what it all has to do with, you know, where we're all going. But with that being said, there's also kind of a bigger conversation. And this goes into the second piece of news that I wanted to cover. And, you know, for anyone that hasn't watched Mark Zuckerberg on Joe Rogan and who we, I mean, you just need to watch the interview. I, I believe Joe Rogan, I, I'm not a huge Joe Rogan fan. I watch Joe Rogan clips. I respect his influence and what he's doing as a podcaster in this space. Um, and some of the interviews I absolutely love. Others and his point of view on things are you know completely polarizing to me. But I will say he did Mark Zuckerberg the biggest favor and one of the coolest things that you could have happened because Zuck was super like human. I mean, I've, I'm a, I'm a fan of Mark Zuckerberg. I am one that's bullish on, um, what he believes. I also think, you know, he often comes under fire, um, because they're, it's the biggest, you know, social media company, um, brand, you know, they have such influence and, and, and they're, they've made mistakes without question, but there's no playbook for what they're doing. But during that interview, you know, Mark actually, you know, let people know that, you know, he, you know, is they've actually invested over $10 billion, that is billion with a B, $10 billion in their entire ecosystem of the metaverse. And he referred to it as like the metaverse experience, the VR experience, the avatars, the AR experience. He's talked about the, the, the next version of the hardware and the, even the, the version of the hardware after that. And I just thought like, Listening to that conversation, one of the things that jumped out at me was that it's really powerful to think about not only that much money being invested kind of forward thinking in the blockchain and in the metaverse, 
But there's also something really exciting about the idea of not only is this, you know, validating that things aren't a fad, but there's also a push towards changing how things are done. And in that interview, I definitely check, uh, definitely recommend checking out uh, that interview that you know Joe Rogan did with Mark Zuckerberg. It's not like he needs more you know publicity or from me. That the interview is uh, it's trending on the front page of YouTube. But the the other thing about that interview that I just took away was like watching it. Right, was the idea of like where all the possibilities that we haven't even thought of in the metaverse. And it reminded me very much of the early days of the iPhone and how people like joked about how silly the iPhone screen was and where was the physical keyboard. Like where are all the people that were, that were mocking the iPhone, not having a physical keyboard. And they were like mocking that, like nobody would play a game on a phone and who the hell would use a phone that has that full screen. And we're not going to watch a TV show on there. The screen's so tiny and it would be so horrible to watch. I mean, that wasn't too long ago, like 10 years ago, right? Think about what does this space look like 10 years from now? For all those listening, not only are we all early, but what is, what is going to happen over the next 10 years across cryptocurrency, across NFTs, across the creator economy, into the metaverse, including VR and AR, is going to happen in, and things are going to be evolving and we're going to see jobs like, like the app store. Like think about how many you know, app developers there are in the world. And that job did not exist when I was in college. There was no such thing as a mobile app developer, right? Like, I mean, I'm going to date myself, but uh, I took a pager to college my freshman year. That's why I say I'm a pager wearing millennial. And then I got a razor flip phone. Um, but I think that it's just such an interesting uh, conversation. And it's also, remember Joe Rogan's audience, right? They, they're a, they're definitely not Mark Zuckerberg fans, but they're loyal and they're listeners. And just to hear, like, I don't think Joe Rogan was doing it on purpose, but Zuck talked a lot about like his mistakes and, and some of his hobbies and, and the things that excite him and the things that worry him. And he like owned some of them, uh, of the, you know, the hate that he gets. And I just thought it was really interesting, but I think it's actually a, a really positive, uh, opportunity for us to kind of lean in, um, educate, amplify, talk about great experiences. And that also kind of comes into another meta, um, you know, uh, let's just say meta, Facebook, Instagram, Mark Zuckerberg play. And that is the fact that um, they just rolled out. Uh, we got it on our, on our NFT 365 account. I also got it on my personal Instagram account. The ability to add digital collectibles uh, and I put air quotes for that for those watching on on or listening on audio. You didn't see the air quotes, but I put air quotes there because the the digital collectibles is what they're referring to as NFTs, and they allow you to connect your wallet, and they actually allow you to connect like your MetaMask, your Coinbase, your Trust Wallet, your Rainbow Wallet, uh, and your Dapper Wallet, and it's very easy on the mobile device. Uh, I couldn't get it to work on the browser, although it says they could work on the browser. Um, you can only connect. Um, w- each wallet to one Instagram account, which at first to me was a little bit of a, uh, a learning curve that I had to learn. But one of the things that I found that was really interesting was that it allows you to share that actual, you know, your NFT directly to your feed as a reel, but it even puts the metadata there, right? So I actually shared over on my Instagram, I'll put a link in the bio here, um, my very first NFT that I bought. And it's funny because I actually bought it uh, 377 days ago. And it was the very first NFT um, that I minted. I had I had been gifted a couple NFTs prior to that, but this was the actual first one that I put crypto um, into a wallet. I went out and you know and and made that happen. And 
the reason I, I, you know, wanted to kind of bring that up was, you know, I was actually going through that in Instagram and I thought it was really interesting to, to the fact that, you know, not only is Instagram, you know, allowing us to do this, you know, kind of like what uh, Twitter does with the uh, hexagon, uh, you know, for our profile photo. But the other part of this that is really interesting that we just have to kind of just own is that, you know, even the word digital collectibles, right? It reminded me very much of when Apple came out with um, their iCloud uh, and then they referred to the photo streams as the photo cloud, right? That was the original piece. What they were getting people, they wanted people to think about was they wanted people to remove some of the negative, um, you know, impressions or, you know, things that are, are kind of presented to them um, around certain terms and topics and just recognize the other powers of it, right? What, is, what are the things that are really um, important in this conversation? And to me, the important conversation is, I don't know about anybody else, and I've never been able to, if someone posts something on Instagram, have you been able to validate that it when it was posted, who who took it, and if it was actually the person that posted it, if it was their actual um, you know art or their actual photo? Like, have you has anyone have been able to validate that? Well, guess what you can do? You can jump right over to my profile right now on Instagram. You can click on my most recent post, or if you're listening to this a little bit later, you can just scroll through there, and you can click on my first NFT that I bought, which was the Afghanistan Humanitarian Fund, um, which is the project that I minted, uh, and it was an emergency care package for uh, the families there in Afghanistan uh, during some of the the war and, th- and just uh, horrible things that were happening there uh, a little over a year ago. And what is so interesting about this is that not only can you you know check out this post and you can see that you know um, you know the fact that it's a digital collectible, but if you click on the bottom left where it actually says digital collectible, metadata pops up and it actually says, "Do you want to see uh, on EtherScan like the actual transaction?" So you can click on that. And you can see the date I bought it. You can see which wallet it went on mine. You know, newsflash, it went in my Coinbase wallet. That's all, that's all you know it was old. Uh, I was using my Coinbase wallet for my first couple of NFTs. Um, and it shows the time. It shows how much I paid for it, which was 0.028 uh, Ethereum, uh, which at the time was about 90 bucks. And it shows that it was mine, right? And it shows that, who, you know, who actually owner of it. The other thing that I thought was really interesting is like if you like, you know, for us here on the pro- podcast, we minted our own NFTs. We sold uh, 22 founders NFTs and then we sold 365 super fans uh, NFTs. Shout out to all of our founders. Shout out to all of our super fans uh, holders uh, of our NFT and our audience or those that are listening. Um, and because you know we minted them ourselves or we, we, you know, we launched the project ourselves, you know, I connected that wallet to our NFT 365 podcast account. And what I thought was pretty neat is it actually came up and said, Hey, these are yours that you own, right? It actually said like, um, you know, do you want to view all of the ones that are attached to you? Right. Because inside of, you know, we actually minted, we lazy minted with uh, OpenSea for that project. And inside of that, we, of course, linked and, va- and verified our account using our Instagram or using our Twitter account. And so it's able to, to actually Instagram was able to when we connected it to our wallet, it was able to cross reference. OK, this Instagram is also verified with this Twitter account. And that Twitter account is actually the owner of this NFT collection. And it actually shows us as like the collection that is responsible for us. And so for every artist, musician, anyone that's out there, if you are, if you are a marketer and you do branding, if you think about it this way, you will, 
if you want to make sure that no one can steal your IP or that you can prove that you were the first one that, you know, talked about this or owned this or, you know, when you were getting a copyright, what you can do is you can mint that, you know, that actual um, art or that, you know, branding or that logo. And then you can, you know, of course, post it to your Instagram. And then if anyone says like, wait a second, <clears throat> you stole that from me. You can actually go click on that actual Instagram post, click on your digital collectible button and look at that metadata to prove that it was yours and, and you did it whenever you know you said you did it. And so to me, this was just another example. Like it's gonna open up ways for us to demonstrate digital ownership, which I still think is one of the most critical components of this entire um, conversation. And that's where I want to kind of pull this together in because why is digital ownership such a big deal? Well, even if we throw in, you know, the Board Ape Yacht Club with Eminem and Snoop Dogg that I talked about earlier, you if you if for those that didn't notice some of the nuances, right? The the Board Apes in the metaverse that they you know morphed into for the virtual reality avatar was the the Board Apes that the one that the Eminem owns and the one that Snoop Dogg owns. And if you think about it, like that idea of ownership, you know, they have that IP that they can use in the in that way. There hasn't been anything else in our digital world that could be directly associated like that, right? And even like a lot of people wouldn't even know what record label Eminem and Snoop Dogg are on or which ones they own. But funny enough, the fact that we know that we can validate that they own that NFT and that NFT is the one they, they used to me is part of this bigger conversation. And so I just want everyone to kind of take a step back. There's a lot of people that hate. There's a lot of people that, you know, they, they have like these expectations that, are purposely out there because there's a lot of people that are are jealous. You know, like I, I was in one of the Board Ape Yacht Club um, Twitter spaces and people were like, you know, I can't believe they didn't include us. They should have, you know, reached out to us and had our uh, Board Apes included in the MTV thing. Well, these are the same people that were mocking MTV. These were also the same people that were mocking those that were taking on the the Old Navy uh, partnership that was offered to some of the Board Ape Yacht Club um, community. And so it's so interesting that like, it's like, why didn't they include me? But if they had reached out and included, they would have said, that is so dumb for our brand. We would never do that with, you know, with MTV, MTV, who, who even watches MTV these days? And, and there was a little bit of nostalgia for me because I, I remember watching the MTV Music Awards uh, in my freshman year in college in my dorm room in 1999. Uh, and it's so funny because I was now fast forward. I'm 41 years old, sitting with my 12 year old daughter watching the, the Music Awards. But what was also just interesting for me was just the idea of you know, not, not only how we can invest in creators, but how we can be the future. And, and I will put this out there. I believe the future you know, celebrities, the CEOs, the next Elon Musk's, the next uh, you know, Jeff Bezos, or even Mark Zuckerberg's are going to be those that are building and creating, or maybe not even have started building in this Web3 NFT uh, metaverse space. And how freaking exciting is that? And so for all those that are out there, I know this market is down. You know, and I did that episode a couple of days ago, you know, a bear hug for the bear market. Here's the truth. We are living in the greatest time in history and we have an opportunity to shape a culture and build and create in ways that we never even thought were possible. And right now we're in it at a time that we would have loved. Like, I mean, here's, here's, here's a story that will blow your mind a little bit, right? Like I, my freshman year in college, a good friend of mine uh, was also a freshman in college and he decided to transfer to Radford, the college that I went to uh, for the second semester. And he came there and he was about like, I don't know, halfway through the second semester. And he looked at me, he's like, fans, I'm dropping out. 
I was like, what? He's like, uh, I can come back to college, but these things like the, the websites and this internet uh, component is just popping off. And I know there's job offers for me and I can learn the skills in the real world and I'm just going to go jump at it. And I remember laughing at him being like, dude, you are going to regret that. It's going to be a you know, massive mistake. And then my junior year, he showed up uh, at Radford uh, driving a brand new Cadillac Escalade, uh, towing behind it a motorcycle and a brand new motorcycle. And he was like, Fanzo, let's go ride. And I got to ride the motorcycle. And we, got, we had some fun and I was talking to him. And, you know, he not only was able to invest, but he was taken on, he took on two roles and then was able to kind of launch a, a separate little company um, underneath of like the AOL Yahoo umbrella. Uh, and he was clearing a million dollars a year. That was those, my junior year in college, my senior year in college. And funny enough, when I went to try to get a job with him, you know, coming out of college, the problem was I didn't have the right experience and I wasn't taught the right things to get that job. And I thought, man, I still need three years of real world experience. Of course, by the time that happened, the bubble popped in that, in that arena. And, you know, the cool thing is, you know, he went on, uh, you know, shout out to Danny, went on to do amazing things, still doing amazing things um, in the internet and security and, and, uh, and web space. But it reminded me of right now, right? There are a lot of people that are doubling down or just trying to like learn or kind of sit like I was in college and be like, you know, I'm just going to sit back and wait and I'm going to see how this all turns out. I'll figure out what I need to learn. But then there are others like my friend who decided, you know what, we're going to jump in. We're going to learn. We're going to shape this culture and we're going to ride this thing out. And, you know, I'm sure uh, maybe maybe I can reach out to him, get him on the podcast. But uh, I'm sure when the bubble burst, you know, he maybe he maybe had regrets of getting into, you know, into the Internet space. And when he did, like many people had regrets when um, all of a sudden the, the market took a, a massive downward turn, you know, over the last two months. But the interesting part was not only did that help him, you know, forward in his career, but to this day, I still look at him as a pioneer, a leader, a builder that I look up to. And I've told myself forever that if I ever got that opportunity again, screw you, college, I'm going to jump at that opportunity. And guess what? That opportunity was presented to me. And I remember feeling it November 5th, November 6th of last year. And six days later, we launched this podcast. We jumped all in buying an NFT every single day for a year. And guess what? I'm excited for what this all becomes. We are early. Times are a little tough. There are still a lot of things that need to be worked out. There are good things. There are bad things. There are good people. There are bad people. But the beauty of this whole thing is that what we have in front of us is being validated and, and it's proof. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook, Meta is spending $10 billion in this space. They're integrating digital collectibles into their most prized interfaces of Facebook and Instagram. We have artists like Snoop Dogg and Eminem going all in with, you know, with not only owning NFTs, but incorporating it into their brand, into their logos. We have some of the biggest artists in the world that are making millions of dollar, dollars. Shout out to Ferocious and what he was able just to break another record with a, a massive NFT sale uh, last couple of days. My friends, you know, I am an optimist. And uh, we're going to have a great interview tomorrow with Manushka, my dear friend. Uh, and she's always keeps me a little bit more grounded. She keeps me real. But I, I have a feeling when you guys hear the interview of, of Manushka and I, you're going to realize as well that everybody has a role in this space. And we all have something to bring to this arena. 
It could be as a collector. It could be as an investor. It could be as a creator. It could be as a builder of tools or marketing or solutions, or it could be just as one that is a supporter or an amplifier. But the beauty of it is we get to build something pretty damn amazing. And every time that the media has something to say that isn't negative, that isn't, you know, taking things out of context, I think it's a positive and a great way to move forward. We definitely want to give a shout out to our uh, sponsor, Crypto Business Conference. Crypto Business Conference is happening in beautiful San Diego, California, October 9th to the 11th. It uh, has just a great lineup of speakers, some of you know my good friends um, and those that you're going to be able to listen to and learn from, uh, talking things about creator coins, metaverse. There's um, you know integrated networking. I love that it's a single track event, uh, which to me makes it much more intimate, much more uh, collaborative in nature, and the networking is much uh, you know more fluid. Uh, I'll I'll be the keynote speaker there on day two, so definitely uh, look forward to seeing everyone there. Hopefully, you get to see what I do on stage. I got a couple of things up my sleeve on what I'm gonna be able to pull into my uh, presentation as well. So uh, hopefully, you guys will check that out. It's socialmediaexaminer.com/nft365. And the last thing I'll leave us with is that there was an article written in Fortune magazine. And in Fortune magazine, they, the article was written and what was stated was, uh, and I'm just kind of summarizing it for everybody here, it was that OpenSea, so OpenSea's traffic is down 99%. 99% is what they actually said. 99% is what OpenSea's traffic is down since, um, you know, since they're high. And it was... You know, to me, it was definitely a fud. It was definitely, you know, someone, you know, casting a, uh, a shadow at, you know, what this whole space is. But what I want you to look at, and I have the tweet, I'll put the tweet in the links as well. What Fortune did was they cherry picked one single day outliner. It was one day in May. It was May, uh, you know, it was May. And it was the only, it was the day that the open sea traffic was six times higher than their all time high. And they chose that data point and said it's 99% less today than it was that day. But if they had actually taken a step back and they had actually looked at like the average of the month of May, they could have actually provided, let's just say, real journalism and actual context that makes sense. But no, they decided to take the FUD approach. They decided to be like, they wanted to make a mockery. They're in there for the clickbait. And they really are just validating uh, the haters and the naysayers. But that's just, it was just another great reminder that, you know, data doesn't, all, doesn't tell the story, right? Without context, data is just, you know, is just data. It's just numbers, right? We need that context. We need that information. And let's just be very careful. Like I, I saw on TikTok so many people talking about this and they were just taking what was shared as, as, you know, face value. And I commented on every single one that I saw and said, Hey, check that out. It's, that was an outliner data point that they chose. And to me, that was very irresponsible in the way that they're sharing that information because they didn't say like 99% down from their one time, all time high that happened in one day in, in May. And I just think it's such a important component where, you know, web two media is broke. Web two news is broke. Web two information sharing is broke. We have we have fake news, bad news, <clears throat> and apparently really poorly researched and context news. And this is just another opportunity, another space for me to look at it and say, you know what? We need to interrupt. We need to not only disrupt, but we need to actually really find ways 
to change the narrative when these things are these types of things are are happening. And I do believe we are the media world as a whole is going to be flipped upside down. And imagine if we are able to actually vote or actually have a say as readers, as consumers on what stuff is important, what things are are valid and who we want to um, to support. I believe the way information and data is shared within our social media is going to change thanks to the blockchain and things like this won't happen. But, you know, please be careful in the things that you're sharing, the things that you're reading um, and do your best. Like it's up to each one of us to educate our audience, to, to add context, right? If someone else doesn't add context, it's a great opportunity for us. You don't have to act like an expert. You don't have to tell people that you know everything, but providing context or situational awareness, awareness for a lot of these type of things is vital for getting out the real information because yes things are down but they're not down 99 percent and let's also be real you know it the idea that it that so many people are still creating and launching right now is something that is overlooked and you know hey the metaverse with you know board ape yacht club uh was out there you know thriving mark zuckerberg's putting 10 billion dollars into the the space and you know even instagram and facebook are allowing us to connect digital collectibles we're going to look back on this summer as the summer that those of us that survived, those of us that are thrived, those of us that believed, we're going to benefit, we are going to accelerate, and we are going to be rewarded with all things possible in this space. Until tomorrow, my friends, make it a great day. Cheers. The Mint 365 Collection 100-Day Countdown is on. We're counting down to November 11th when we'll auction off all 365 NFTs as one collection, including a custom mosaic of all the art. Want to bid on this one-of-a-kind Web3 time capsule? For details, keep listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review. Like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. We are greater than me, and as always, the show.